And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. On today's episode, we are going to dive into how do we live our best lives by working through our past trauma, working through things in our lives that we have, these repeat patterns that you know are holding us back or not letting us kind of live up to the possibilities that we want for ourselves. And before we jump into today's interview, I just want to share these words with you by Young Pueblo, who says, it is not about being fully healed and then starting your life. It is about embracing healing as a lifelong journey while allowing genuine connections to organically emerge along the way. And today I'd like to welcome our guest, Adam Miller. So let's get started. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Adam Miller to the show. He is a somatic release practitioner. He also practices energy work, and he is a filmmaker. Welcome, Adam. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being on. Absolutely. I think this is such an important topic, the way that you help people in your profession, as well as your story on how you've come into this line of work. So I can't wait to have this conversation because I think it'll help a lot of people. Right on. Thank you. (laughs) Sure. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your backstory and and what got you into the areas that you're now working in? I definitely can. It's a pretty long backstory. I'm happy to tell it. I'll start just briefly. Like as as a kid, I just remember never feeling right. I just never felt comfortable in my own skin. I suffered from really bad chronic fatigue from the time I was about three and a half or four I had a lot of depression. I felt like I just could never feel comfortable in one place at one time. All I ever really wanted to do was just be able to sit and feel like I was at peace and enjoy the time that I had. And there was always this edginess and this angstiness and this, I would feel like I had a lot of energy and was exhausted at the same time. So it's like, I couldn't sit still, but I couldn't really do anything. And you know, when I was 14, I started talking about this a little bit with my family. I mean, my family has a history of pretty much every issue you could find. I come from a really wonderful family, but there was alcoholism on my father's side and low self-esteem and um, bipolar on my mother's side and really bad depression, negativity, not to mention, I mean, we do inherit patterns from our ancestors and there was a lot of trauma from the Holocaust that I, I don't even know if people, some people are even aware that this can be surging through your system, even if you didn't go through it, because it gets imprinted into the DNA, et cetera. So there was just these massive amounts of fear and social anxiety. And I went to a therapist and, uh, you know, I took one of those really long, many hundred questionnaire things, psych evaluation tests. And, you know, it came back that I was pretty significantly depressed and he prescribed a med or two and I was, you know, hoping that it would change everything and it didn't. Uh, you know, I went to a couple therapists and I just remember sitting there feeling like, I don't know what I have or what I'm carrying, but it's way more than these people can help me with. I just knew that. And I felt like there really wasn't anything they could do. I didn't really put too much effort into it at that point in time. I decided pretty quickly to go ahead and self-medicate. And so I I got into drugs and I initially got into drugs looking for energy. You don't smoke pot for energy, but I didn't know that at the time. So I started, you know, with alcohol and and marijuana, and then I progressed to much worse things. And I spiraled downhill pretty quickly. I mean, I, I had manifested a couple opportunities. I was a musician when I was about 18, I recorded my first demo. There were the first three songs I ever wrote. And one of the therapists I was seeing had a friend that worked at a record company. He gave him the demo. The guy really liked it. He wanted to come see me perform. In two weeks, we put together a show. I didn't have an official band, so we hired a couple of professional musicians. And I remember just getting up 
with this opportunity that I wasn't quite yet ready for in front of my friends at the Roxy and feeling so ashamed of myself and like sick to my stomach with just kind of the fact that it was my music with who I was not feeling like I was ready. Uh, I just couldn't do it. I just, I just wasn't anywhere near where I wanted to be. And after that, I just went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into drug addiction. And after about nine years and a lot of damage, I, about four years in, I started having, I think this is important to share because I overcame it. Transit ischemic attacks, which are like minor little mini strokes. I was feeling like I was going to have a heart attack almost every day from the drugs I was doing. And I would pray to God, please get me through this and I'll never do it again. And then the next day I'd do it again. And finally it came to a head. I ended up going into a, uh, a really hardcore sort of treatment center. It's not, it wasn't like, military based, but it was inspired by the sort of military structure. You wake up at seven, you're out of bed by seven, 10, by seven, 15, you're downstairs for breakfast, you, you know, chores, everything. I was in there for about 22 months. And I just remember about a year or so in, like I had so many issues with my brain. I couldn't understand people when they would talk to me, like when they would speak, it just sounded like garble. And I would focus as intensely as I could on what they were saying and it just like the prop, my whole processor, it didn't work. And I had this moment where I was like, I'm stupid. Like, I'm just, I'm dumb. And, and it was devastating, especially growing up. You know, I was never as smart as I wanted to be, but I was pretty smart. And it, it was really difficult to, to accept that. And I didn't really think there was anything that could be done about it. But I kept trying and I, you know, I got on different meds and I, I saw this therapist in rehab and I started to get a little, a little bit better. Um, and then just a significant point was when I was in rehab, the therapist I was working with was, I thought he was brilliant. He was incredibly insightful and he took me through my whole childhood and, you know, showed me all these things that I wasn't aware of where a lot of my issues came from. Why? And I remember getting to this point with him and I was like, okay, so now I understand you know, why I get flooded every time someone starts talking to me because it's reminding me of my childhood or, you know, why I'm in fear or why I react this way to this person. But I still have all of these reactions. How do I change them? And he looked at me and he was like, I don't know. And I went, wow. okay, that's not going to work for me. You know, like yeah. you're, you're brilliant and thank you, but I want to change. Like, I want to get this stuff out. I want to get past it. And it was the same thing with the, the 12 step programs. Cause in rehab, you know, I got involved in, in AA and I thought it was a great program and I have absolutely no issue with it whatsoever. But I remember, you know, people getting up at the podium and being like, you know, if you want what we have, you got to do what we do. And I never, I never saw anyone that was like better. They were all better than I was. And I knew they could take me from where I was to somewhere that was improved. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I want to go all the way out. I want to, I believe you can heal all of this stuff. I mean, people would get up at the podium and say, I got 20 years clean and sober today. And I'm still as screwed up as I was when I first came in here. And I was like, well, then why don't you just go drink again? (laughs) Like that's not, not a good sales pitch. So I was in the program, but I I started looking for other means to heal myself. And when I got out of rehab, I just felt this overwhelming impulse to become the best person I could and to get better. Uh, And I started, I just started seeking like so many people do. I mean, everyone has a, not everyone, but a lot of people, you know, nowadays have a healing journey story. I got into diet, herbs, meditation, yoga, and, and it all helped some. Um, but what really helped me were uh, the things that I practice today. I remember I, I, I went and I did energy work with this woman who was called, it's called Theta Healing. That was what she, she did. And I was very skeptical because I'm very, you know, I'm very left brain, right brain, but very left brain too. So it's like, I always want to know why things work. I want to know the science behind the spirituality. And the first session, she was like, well, so what I do is I go into a theta state and then that brings you into a theta state. 
uh, and then I can get access to your subconscious and I, I clear belief systems and then I replace them with new ones. And I was like, all right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I just kind of sat there and closed my eyes and doubted the whole thing, but I got kind of tired and relaxed and I felt a little more calm and comfortable and we worked on, you know, my fatigue and we worked on some other stuff. I did have this sort of white light-ish experience where for like a few weeks, I felt so good. I couldn't believe it. I woke up, I had all of this energy. I had all of this vitality. I had, I just felt really positive and happy. I kind of turned into a religious crusader and thought I'd found the answer. And this is what everybody needs to do. And I started telling everybody I knew, like, you have to, you know, change your diet, do energy work, and you know everything can be changed, everything can be healed. And unfortunately, it wasn't quite <laughs> that easy for me after a few weeks. Like all of these other issues started to come up, and like I had improved a little, but it went from like a hundred percent to like two. And then I slowly had to start working through every, everything, like a step at a time. And I went back to her every week, and then. Um, eventually I started working with what she called herself a, a soul coach. So that this is like kind of past life stuff. I don't know, you know, people are into that, but I, what I found with that is when you've just gone through your human life so many different times and you're not getting answers. And then you go to someone who tells you about your soul's mission or your soul's journey or, or, you know, other lives that you've had and, it resonates and then you do a clearing and something really deeply shifts within you at some point, you just start to know it's true, especially when you go to like four different people and they've never talked to each other and they all tell you the same storyline. Like, well, did all, all of these people meet in secret before I met any of them when they don't know each other or me and then agree to tell me this just so that I could, you know, like there's something to that. And just, you just kind of know, you follow your intuition. And when you feel a shift, it doesn't matter if, if, if you feel better than, than that, then it works. So I started, I started working with her and then I, um, she led me to this other woman who did uh, uh, the mind body trauma work, which is the other thing that I, I practice. She had told me uh, that I needed to really ground my energy in, into my body and because uh, I was very just sort of, I just sort of spacey, you know, I wasn't present. Uh-huh. And um, so I went to this woman and I remember the first session I did um, that but this incident when I was nine, when my dog died, came up and I, I thought I, I was like, oh, I, I thought I dealt with this or processed this or whatever. I mean, I didn't process it at all. I just was traumatized as a kid. She held these points on my body and these memories came to me and all of this emotion that was connected to uh, the, the, you know, the memory came up and, you know, I cried and I released it and I just felt this really big shift from that work as well. And I remember feeling like really tired for like a number of days. And that was like a good tired. It was just my body was processing something on a very deep level and getting it in and out, you know of my nervous system. So I started seeing her regularly uh, every week for like a year and a half to two years. And then I started taking her trainings and I got certified in that work. And it's just been a, you know, it's been a, for me, it's been a very long, very slow journey through many, many different modalities, many different aspects of myself. And I, I, you know, I, some people, it happens much quicker. Some people, they do a couple sessions and there's this huge miraculous shift in their life uh, for, for whatever reason, it's just taken me a long time, but over the past 15 years, step by step, by step, by step, I have gotten drastically better. You know, I've healed the brain damage. I've healed so much of my issues with my nervous system and the lack of self-esteem and the lack of self-confidence. And, you know, now I'm you know, just, just at the beginning of pursuing the life that I really want to have through, you know, making, making films and practicing this work. And I have a a story I could quickly share about last year that ties into just kind of building a life you love and taking a risk. So I was working a number of jobs that I didn't like. Uh, I drove for Uber for three years. I worked in restaurants and then I had a tech job uh, for four years 
uh, up until COVID, actually. And it was brutal for me. It just, it, there was no fulfillment. There was no joy. I'm very grateful for it. I learned a lot of skills that tie into, you know, certain parts of running a business that, you know, I practice today. I worked for someone who he gave me a lot of opportunities, but he was a tyrant, you know, and it was really, really, really difficult for me. And I was completely burnt out uh, for a slightly different reason, just because I, I wasn't happy at all. And when COVID hit and people were, you know, getting more amount of more amount of like higher amounts of unemployment, I felt like if I didn't get out, like I was going to die. I don't know that that's literally true, but it, I would wake up and sit in front of the computer and just be like hunched over and doubled over. And I couldn't, I couldn't even, I just would skate through the, I would do as little as I possibly could because I couldn't do any more than that and just do whatever I had to do to get by. And I was like, I have to resign. I have to get out of this. And, you know, I just asked for help. I asked the universe for help. I prayed a lot. I just felt what it would feel like to be, to have like a break, to have some time off where I could rest and heal. And I sent a resignation letter and I said that I hoped that he would agree to the unemployment. And he didn't want to, and, and, uh, he didn't want to let me go. I've been fired from plenty of jobs. And finally, when I wanted to get fired, I couldn't get fired. Um, but somehow the universe kind of orchestrated this thing where somebody else came in that he liked. He was cutting my hours because of COVID. And he eventually agreed to just let me go. And I was able to get on unemployment. And I moved to Ashland for nine months. And to me, it was just a really big act of self-love, which I find is probably the most important thing anybody can really focus on. Because if you don't love yourself and you don't treat yourself with love and respect, you're not going to be able to do that for others. Nor are you going to be able to help others because you're going to burn yourself out because you're not giving to yourself first. So I felt called to do that. And I went and I took a long vacation. I started writing a book. And I started, you know, just kind of processing the trauma from all of the past number of years working jobs I didn't like, and then figuring out what I was going to do next and just putting all my time and energy into that as I started to recover. And that's pretty much where I am now. Just like I've been offered a few full-time jobs and I've refused them because I can't. I just can't go back to what doesn't make me happy. I've spent so much time doing that. It's like, I have to go in the direction of what I love or what brings me joy or what's fulfilling or that that's just it. So I'm kind of in and committed and, (laughs) you know, just beginning that process. So. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, we have so much, you know, we can talk about in that whole journey that you've taken But first of all, I just want to acknowledge um, and thank you for sharing your journey, because I think so many of us can relate to at least some part of that journey in our own lives or maybe the whole journey. And so I think it's so important that we're willing to share our stories so that other people right, have the courage to step into, you know, their next um, part of their story and their next chapter and hopefully can um, learn from kind of the places that we've been with our lives. So I would just want to thank you for that, first of all. Of course. Yeah, so let's see. So first of all, I think it's amazing that in the midst of you going through this rehab and having, you know, so many years of, you know, struggling with the depression and then the addictions that you still kind of, as you were clean, you felt this call to like, no, I think there's something more. Like, I think, I think there, I can get better than this, you know? And so one, I love that you pursued that, right? And for years you pursued like, I think there's a way. I think there's a way that I can feel better than I do today because yeah. I think a lot of people get stuck where you were when you came out of rehab. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, I love that you are someone that's taken that example and you've tried all so many things, right? And you've found many that now that have worked for you that you've now, you're now helping people in their lives. So I want to talk a little bit about that. First of all, like the work you're doing to help people um, sort of change their belief systems and those repetitive patterns. And then that past trauma that they've had. And so can you share a little bit with us about like, if we kind of find ourselves right where 
whether it's that we're just in a job where we're miserable, you know, but it's just, like you said, it just, it feels like we can't keep going on this way or whether we're just dealing with some really hard things. Like it could be depression, anxiety. I mean, it could be anything, right? Yeah. What would you first say to those people? You know, like what message of hope and then maybe message of like, where do we start? Where do we go from there? Well, yeah, I, I feel like it really comes down to faith and persistence. So for you, you have to know something's possible or believe at least to some extent it's possible. And I wouldn't say that you can't have any doubt. I don't like that. I mean, a lot of the law of attraction people, like you have no doubt. It's like everybody has doubt. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when you say you can't have doubt, what does that do? It creates resistance to the doubt. It creates resistance to the negativity, which makes it worse. And then you do sort of start creating it. So I, I just, it just starts with an, an impetus of believing that there is something more and embracing and accepting all that you feel as it is in the moment and making it okay. Like it, it has, whatever, wherever you are has to be okay. It's the most important thing that I've learned is just being loving to yourself and accepting all of what you are in, you know, in the light of unconditional love. But if you, if you are noticing, you know, consistent patterns, um, you, you just want to do whatever you can to start to find what those patterns are uh, through, through journaling, self-reflection, self-analysis, putting it down paper, even just ask, I like to ask just guidance, like just whatever you believe in. If you believe in a higher guidance or a higher self or a higher aspect of yourself, ask for clarity and get as still as you can and wait. You'll start to see, you know, impulses or guidance in a particular direction. But I think your question was like, what, what do you do? You just start working, working through it and asking for what modalities would resonate with you or would help you. Uh, Because everything to me is, it's a manifestation of what you believe and what you are. And you can look at your life and see what you believe and what you are by what's coming back at you. The tricky thing is that most of us, you know, are only aware of like five to 7% of what we actually believe because we're dealing with the conscious mind and we think like, oh, okay, so I, I'm, I'm good. I believe that I'm healthy. I believe that, but there's so many things in your past and underneath the surface that are saying something opposite. So to just kind of get down into the patterns that are repeating themselves and starting to know, just knowing that they come from somewhere and that if you get deep enough into your own consciousness and your own nervous system and your own body, you can shift them. And then, you know, it's like, you'll be called to the things that will help you shift them, especially if you ask and you state the intention just to kind of feel as if you already have it. I mean, I know that's kind of the cliche, but it is how it is how it works. Feel what it would feel like to be past that or to have the help or to have the assistance or to know what you need to know. And that does start to create it. I mean, and then don't have too many expectations that, you know, overnight it's all going to happen because a lot of times the process takes a while. You know, we all want it to happen really quickly. And sometimes it does and it can, but it might not. And if, you know, just be okay with that too, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things that we talked about, and it's in this, the context of what you just said, right before we start recording is, I like how you frame it. You say it's about, first and foremost, being aware, right, yeah. of what's going yeah. on with us. And so you talked about, we need to notice our pain, right? Consistent yeah. pain, right. or notice other things like frustration or anger, the same frustration or anger or pain, right? right. That keeps coming up. In other words, that yeah. repetitive, chronic, right state. And right. so I like how you talked about that. Um, would you add anything else to that? And then I know you talked about, we need to be opened, which you sort of just alluded to. And then like, and part of that is being, um, or being more in, I guess, in connection with our bodies, right? It's yeah. Like, how do we do that? How do we start to do that? Cause most of us have kind of lost touch with some part of ourselves. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so being, um, being in touch with your body is, is very, important that's part of the work that I do and what I found to be a a very large missing piece in a lot of the traditional therapies um, because we're very we're we're creative and and mental beings and 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 humans do have an extra part of the brain that you know animals don't have but we're still animals so 
we live primarily often in the neocortex, which is the part that creates reasons, you know, who's responsible for logic and analysis. But because it's part of the, the creator that we are, if we have past traumas and belief systems from things that have happened from before that haven't been resolved, we'll start creating that. And we'll start imprinting those experiences onto the experience in present time. And they're like, oh my God, this is happening again. Well, maybe it's not happening again. It's a similar pattern that's being shown to you because there's something that you need to release or maybe, and, and clear so that you can change the pattern and shift it into something new. Um, but it is, it is very important to know that, that, that the patterns repeat themselves until the lesson is learned. You, you know, if you keep manifesting the same kind of a partner and they're somewhat abusive, you might have to go back to the first relationship that you had where that trauma occurred, or maybe it's in childhood, maybe it's, you know, a dynamic you had with your father or your mother. And until you get into your nervous system and shift the fight or flight response that's still running underneath the surface and complete it, and also, you know, learn whatever the lesson is and alter the belief system, you're going to keep calling that same sort of thing into your life. So it's about seeing that it's an opportunity to learn something and to, you know, always asking questions, prompting the mind through inquiry. Like, what is it that I'm supposed to learn here? What do I need to know here? Where did this pattern come from? Mm -hmm. Like just working with, you know, the consciousness of the universe. Like as soon as you ask the question, there's the answer. I mean, you, you, it, it, it happens at the same time. It takes a while to filter into our awareness knowing that by asking those questions, you'll be, you'll be shown more and more and more what you need to clear, I think is a very good, good step. If I answered your question, I, I think. Yeah, you did. And the other thing um, I guess I would add to that is I think sometimes people think like you gave a great example about the like relationship. If you find yeah. that you keep kind of you you keep having partners, right. That have similar qualities and maybe they're yeah. not the best qualities. And that happens with plenty of people. So in that example, I think the one thing I would just point out is that sometimes I think people think like, oh, it's my fault. I'm doing this. But I think what we have to remember is it's not it's not us. It's those thought patterns. And one way that I like I talked to um, uh, Adele Spragan lately, who's a behavior change expert. She talked about, no, it's just that when you find your thought patterns are no longer serving you. Right. Because they're already there. That's when we have to do the work to replace that thought pattern, right? Sure. And so I think just reminding people that it's not about like you're make, making a bad choice. It's because you have this, you're repeating this behavior because you need to change or upgrade that thought pattern, which is right. kind of some of the work you're doing with people. Right. And it's also about perception. So it's not your fault, but you do have the power to change it. So it right. can be your responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's just such an important lesson, no matter who you are, or where you come from. I think, you know, Viktor Frankl talked about this in Man's Search for Meaning. At the end of the day, everything can be taken from a man or a woman except one thing, the ability to choose one's own attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. And he he modeled that example after, you know, three years in Auschwitz, Dachau, losing his parents, losing you know, his wife. So it's not like you may have suffered a horrible trauma as a child that you were not in any way responsible for creating. Right. But if you fall too much into, you don't want to fall into victimhood because right. then you don't have any power. So it's right. about being very compassionate with yourself and loving and, and, you know, knowing that like whatever happened, it isn't, it isn't me, but it, it's also me that's creating it. And then when you, you say that you take ownership of it and then mm -hmm. you have the power to shift it. Right. Um, but yes, it is, it is showing you something that you need to learn and clear and resolve. Right. Um, yeah. True empowerment. Yeah. So let's jump into, I know some of the things that you said helped you beyond the energy work and the somatic release that you also help people with now. Um, and then the, um, so you talk about three other things though that I want to sort of bring up and chat about. One was you talk about the different types of exercises that help you. And then you mm -hmm. talk about radical acceptance and being creative. And I think those are such important things. I'd love to just chat about those for a few minutes. Yeah. Can you share with us a little bit about what does, like, how did that help you? And what does that look like? They are self-regulation exercises that help to 
release the vagus nerve and bring bring the body into parasympathetic because we like there's sympathetic parasympathetic sympathetic is fight or flight most of us spend almost all of our lives in sympathetic now because just the way that our reality is run and the stress of work and the stress of life anything grounding anything that activates the system that calms and relaxes your body is brings you into more of a state of calm and homeostasis and then you can think clearer and then you can come from a state of love instead of fear and then the answers that you get are more based in love instead of you know fear you really i i find i really have to stop and and put myself in a good space with any clarity is given that's going to help otherwise i'm just manifesting more fearful examples that's journaling helps me immensely because i find that we have so many thoughts that just run around in our heads and until you like pinpoint them and put them down on paper and look at them you don't even know what you're dealing with and they just keep going and they just keep replicating and yeah. recreating themselves. And thoughts also, I find, can be like weeds. If you don't get to the root of the belief system or the root of the issue, which is underneath all these other layers of thought, you can kind of trim some of the weeds off and they just keep regrowing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that the journaling and also the, the nervous system work can help bypass a lot of those extra layers. And then you can get to the root of whatever's causing the issue and really remove it and resolve it. As far as creativity, I find that naturally I'm a pretty creative person. I have a creative mind and I've read some, I read a book called Wired to Create. I've read a number, you know, some stuff on creative people and the opposite of creativity is destruction. So if you're creative and you have an impulse to create, it's really important to find a way to express that in a healthy way, or it will probably work against you. And I think there, I think we're all creative, but I do think there are some people who tend more toward, maybe it's easier for them to be like, I know mind or sort of monk and just meditate and sit in the silence. And that's great. And if you can do that, wonderful. But if you do have a creative mind, I think it's going to be more difficult to access those states. So, I mean, I, I just, I, through music, anything that brings me joy. uh, And I find when I put that energy into forward motion, I feel really, really good. And when I don't, it starts to turn on me. The other way I like to use creativity also is in just changing perceptions because everything at the end of the day, is pretty much just a thought you know it starts with the thought so how can you think in a different way how can Mm -hmm. so if you have a negative thought or a negative belief like how can you change that what's another way to see your life or to see I mean you you literally change the past by changing the present so when you see you you alter your perception now you can go back into a story that you've been telling a thousand times from your childhood and it's still in a way the same and in a way it's not because you you learn something from it or you change the negative aspect to a positive aspect and then you change the fear, the anger, the resentment at what happened to gratitude for it leading to where you are now and then that impacts on the future as well. So I, I really like to use creativity as a way to like find a new way to think, you know. Oh, uh, I think that's I, I love that both those examples because I do think that we, as a society, you know, we don't tap into our creativity enough, whether that's through creative expression, right? Through our traditional thought of that, right? Like art, music, drawing, you know, so, I mean, so many ways, but I think creativity is like you just started to point out. It's so much more than that, right? It's coming up with a creative solution to a problem we have, you know, so in other words, creativity can be really anything. It's just using our minds in a way that let us connect to two different things, right? That we didn't think of prior to that moment. And I love your example about, you know, that we also can use creativity for our good, if you will, for that. We're already going to, we already tell ourselves stories, right? I mean, that's how human brains actually respond most, right? It's not by fact, it's by story. And so I love how you explain that because one thing I say, but I loved your childhood example is a lot of people, you know, they want to, you know, especially with starting a business, which we'll jump into in a minute and talk about um, for a few minutes, but they want to say like, oh, but what if I start something and people joke me or what if it fails or what if it, right. But we want to use this, what if, and this negative story we start telling ourselves about something that could happen, but in a negative context, instead of telling ourselves, well, what if it actually succeeded? Like, what if someone actually bought my product? What if like I could make a full-time business, but it's like, it's just a shift in the way we choose to perceive that story, right? In a positive yeah. or a negative light. 
But that's also just using our creativity because both are are not true statements yet, right? They're in the future. Right. right. Um, so I like that example because I think it's important. You know, we're choosing to, to either think creatively in a positive way or in a productive way, or we're choosing to use it in a way that is more destructive with our thinking. Right. And the, and the, the point I would want to make there is I like that because it's so subtle. And I think it's really important to be subtle when you're changing, because I feel like a lot of times, especially in, in our self-development culture, which is great, but it can be overdone. And there's this pressure, especially in America, to be like, to be perfect and, you know, to be completely positive all the time and to believe a hundred percent that it's going to work out. Well, if you can do that, great, but you probably can't. I can't. Right. So, but can you go from one, if it doesn't work to, well, what if it does? Because you're not, you're not denying or invalidating the doubts or the fears. I mean, if you can just get rid of them, do it. But you, you know, so many of us just have them. And, And the way you really get rid of them is not to get rid of them. It's to embrace them and to accept them. So when you're like, well, what if it could work? You're still acknowledging, well, that it might not, but you're just, you're just choosing to lean into the positive a little more which is like even Elizabeth Gilbert and Big Magic talked about passion versus curiosity, which I love because yeah. sometimes you have passion, but if you don't, like the pressure to generate passion is yeah. exhausting, That's right? you know, but you can just be like, well, what would happen if I did this? Just like a little bit of curiosity is much more possible. And so I think subtly just gradually shifting what you think and believe to, to, to something a little more positive. Yeah, is really powerful. Oh my gosh. First of all, I love that book. I have it right behind me. And uh, so if no one, if you don't have that book yet, you should get it. Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. But, and I think you're so right. She has, she says so many great things in there, but I do love how she talks about that because, you know, she does talk about that. Like you're not always going to feel on fire for your purpose or for this passion. It's going to ebb and flow. That's very natural. Although we don't, we're not told that's true, but we can always come to the table, right? Come to a conversation, come to a project, come to the day or that moment with with curiosity and sense of, like you said, like, well, so what am I to lose if I just like whoop, try this one little thing, yeah. you know, or where that lead me, you know, and if we just had that mindset that let us be curious, you know, I think our days would be so much better. Yeah. And then the other, the other thing is changing the focus from success as far as the result to mm-hmm. just bettering your relationship with yourself. If you're set on the wrong goal or a goal that's not very healthy for you, everything that you do, think, feel is going to be affected by that. And when you look at it as like, I'm doing something for me to, you know, increase, you know, how I see myself and, you know, how I can be more loving to myself and whether I fail or not, you know, which I don't even know that there is a failure, really. That's a perception too. Whether I fail or not, it's just going to lead me more to greater self-acceptance, which is the goal. So like all of the endeavors that we undertake are just an impetus toward bettering your relationship with yourself and remembering the truth of who you are, which is there's, there's nothing wrong with you, you know, ever, you know, I just love. So I think that's another important another important part of it too. It's just, it went, it, it, just to go, like, I've been so hard on myself for so many years that this is a really important part of my process mm-hmm. is learning to just let myself off the hook. You know, it's right. like if I fail or I don't get the result I want, the fact that I did it is enough. And unfortunately the world we live in won't necessarily see it that way, uh, you know, as, as a reflection back to us, because we didn't hit the actual mark you needed to hit to get the raise or the bonus or the success or the number of followers on Instagram or whatever it was. Right. But you can know it, that's just more impetus and power to increase the relationship with yourself. Uh, and so if you can be grateful for that and see that as the journey, I feel like then there is no failure really. So absolutely. Well, I love, there's so many people now that talk about failure in the sense of, a failure is just a temporary pause, delay, or learning, right? It's not, yeah. it's never been a failure. It just means the way that you tried something didn't work for the outcome at that moment that you thought you were going for. But right. it doesn't mean that you're you're likely going to take whatever it is you tried and use it and apply it towards a future something. Yeah. And so I think it's always a win-win. No matter, we can call it a failure, but it's really not. It's really was right. a learning that didn't, I mean, look, how many times did they say Einstein, you know, people like that, how many times Thomas, or I mean, uh, Franklin, Ben Franklin, did they try things before certain things worked out, right? Of their theories or their inventions, 
hundreds or thousands, right? And they never thought of it as a failure. It was just kind of like, well, A to B didn't work. Well, what about B to C, right? They just kept tinkering and trying, you know, and that's sort of the beauty of it. Well, it's like lifting a weight or, or exercising a muscle. It's like when you go to the gym and you work out, do you consider the whole thing a failure? You know, you're right. just building something. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Just because day one, you didn't get muscles. Of course you didn't get muscles, right? You're so right. Cause that is a muscle we have to work, right? Is our creativity and our curiosity. So I think yeah. that's so true. So let me ask you before we wrap up, you have started this, you know, you've stepped into doing this business, you know, as your full-time profession, even though you've been practicing in this area for some time. You have just in the last two years released your first short film. So can you tell us about stepping into new things? Because that's hard, right? It's hard for a lot of people to do that. So do you have any advice for people on doing that, especially after, you know, you've had this amazing journey, you've accomplished and um, overcome so many things. So what would you say to people about stepping into new things? I would, I would say it starts with an intention. You know, everything starts with an intention I would listen, um, listen, but through feeling like what calls to you, like if it feels good and you want to do it, then, then, you know, it takes steps in that direction, but also go, go at whatever pace you go. Like sometimes you need to push yourself a little, you know, but don't push yourself too hard. Let it come naturally. Like if there's a lot of joy and a little bit of fear, you know, that's probably good because you do need to walk through fear. You know, you don't want to just wait till everything feels blissful all the time because that's not reality. But if there's too much fear, if there's too much resistance, you know, take a step forward and back off a little bit until you clear or resolve whatever that is, because it will slowly, you know, release and and, and progress forward. Uh, and it can be almost traumatizing if you push yourself too hard. So for me, it's really a balance of finding the impulse and then just slowly moving in the direction until I, I fit into that space and always coming back to self-forgiveness and self-compassion and just giving myself credit for each step that I take, regardless of what anyone says or does, which is hard because we all want validation and I want validation and I want yeah, people to yeah. be like, oh, that's great. You're doing a great job. It's brilliant. Right. But, you know, I find that the more I give that to myself, the more... I get it from the external, but the less it, it matters. It's like a bonus as opposed to like a need or where you need to like fill yourself up with that. I mean, I would just say, yeah, just take a risk because risks are important. And if you don't take a risk, you, you know, it's like, there's this movie rounders I've seen a million times and I love it. It's a movie about poker, but it's, it's not just about poker. And, and one of the things they talked about is like, you, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle, but you can't win much either. You want to take risks, but then also kind of just gently (laughs) go forward. Yeah. Well, one thing, here's what I'd ask you on that, because first of all, I think you're so right. I think you're right. We do need to like, know we want to move in that direction. Just take that first baby tiny step. And yes, there's going to be a little fear and that's good. Like you said, but you just need to figure out the next step that you're willing to take, right? That's like exciting, but a little bit scary. So what I would ask you, though, is how do you stay motivated? And what I mean by that is I get it. A lot of people start something and then they're kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do next. Or now we start kind of panicking, right? Not because it wasn't we didn't like it, but because we're not sure. Do you acknowledge your little wins? Like, how do you stay motivated? Because I know even doing the podcast, right, I have to not that I haven't had some successes already. I have had quite a few, you know, quite a bit. But then there's days where I want to be like, oh, my God, like my numbers today or this or that. Right. And then I have to get back in center and say, like, Kristen, hold on. What is really the impact I'm going for? And then remind myself, wait, did it impact someone's life today? Did it do this? Right. And I have to start reframing the conversation that I because I start going off in left field. Right. We all can kind of do that. So are there things you do to kind of stay focused and centered when maybe your mind's starting to panic a little? Yeah. I mean, there are times when you just, you do kind of need to make yourself, you know, take the next step. What I find is if I kind of lose motivation or inspiration and I just make myself sit down to do something, it'll come back pretty quickly. Positive affirmations help mirror work actually helps. It's something I learned from the first soul coach I had. Um, There's something called, she called it soul gazing. It's like looking in the, looking in the mirror and just resonating like love for yourself and then seeing 
what comes up and what's in the way and just affirming anything positive that, you know, you believe you, you can do it or you'll be successful or whatever it is kind of helps. And then the other thing is I, you know, it's a, if the support group, it's just having like friends or people or guides that you can work with when you're a little bit off right. that, that kind of bring you back to, you know, pursuing what you set out to do. Cause we all, you know, it's like, it, you want to be as independent as possible, but we also need support too. You know, we, yep. we need, you know, friends and we need encouragement and you don't want to be dependent on the encouragement, but uh, in just talking about it, talking about your blocks. And then I always uh, writing and then I just do so many, so many clearing exercises, like energetic clearing exercises and looking at what's coming up today that like, where is this coming from and why is it stopping me? And then if I can work through it myself, I do, if not, then I'll do a session with somebody else and, right. you know, have them give me the insight on what's blocking me, etc. So, but I find that for me, and this isn't something I'm great at, but it's something I'm always working at is kind of clearing out the outside world, getting as still as I can in my own space and my own energy and releasing or acknowledging whatever fears I have until I, I kind of come into the space of quiet and then like the higher, better parts of myself just send impulses and feelings is, is, is you know, that I'm on the right path and then I mm-hmm. you know, go again. So I, no, I, lo- I love that. It actually reminds me of an interview I recently heard. For, it was between the author and speaker Mel Robbins, and she just came out recently with her second book called The High Five Habit. And what was so cool about it is during COVID, you know, she looks in the mirror one day and she's having this, I'm listening to this interview with her and Kathy Heller, which has a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Basically, the book was about during COVID and she's a well-known writer and maybe in the personal development space for 20 years. But she, one day she looked in the mirror and she's like, man, I look horrible. You know, like she's like, (laughs) it was, it was just like, I mean, she describes it so well. It's such a good interview I listened to. But she, for whatever reason, she high-fived herself in the mirror and she goes on to tell this crazy story how the next day she did and she's like, I felt so much better. Anyway, so she's now written a book about it and all these people are like, oh my God, it's working. Like I feel better, but it was sort of like you're talking about mirror work. And then she talked to several scientists after it and she said, they said, do you know why the reason this works? And they said, your whole life, your body, I'm probably going to get it wrong. Maybe your nervous system has been programmed. When you high-five somebody, when you win, you cheers. So your body has already been trained to mentally know that when you put your hand up, it's a celebratory moment and you're celebrating you. So is this really interesting? It's like there's science behind it, but it's a really simple um, thing she has people do every day. But it was fascinating listening to the story, but it was basically mirror work. But instead of even saying anything, it was just literally like giving yourself a high five. Yeah, and literally people's like their whole energy shift, their whole day shift. So it was, it was fascinating. But your story about the mind or when you're saying about the mind work, it reminded me of, of hearing that recently. Yeah. So cool. So Adam, let me ask you, where can people find out more information about you and how you can people can work with you and all the things you have going on? The best thing right now is just to go to my website, www.theedgysaint.com. That's my business name. That's, you know, my my email address is on there and there's a contact form and there's a write-up of the different kinds of work that I do. Uh, And then I also do, you know, if anyone wants to talk a bit, I do like a 15 minute consultation so I can explain, you know, more in depth, like the nervous system work, which is so, I just want to thank Adam for coming on and sharing one of his story, his journey of healing himself, his journey to self-acceptance and love and building a life he does now helping people both with his different types of mind, body, work, and also going after his passion towards filmmaking. Sharing your story, and I want to share some all the things that have helped you step into this new era of your life, and Edith just Eager, being in a place where you really are going after a life so that you love. And her story in these words yeah, really thank just you kind so of much for having me, especially with our conversation very, very today. Thank you. So here's what Edith had to say in her book, "The Gift." She says, "In my experience, victims ask why me; survivors ask what now. Suffering is universal, but victimhood is optional. There's no way to escape." being hurt or oppressed by other people or circumstances. The only guarantee is that no matter how kind we are or how hard we work, we're going to have pain. We're going to be affected by environmental and genetic factors over which we have little or no control. 
But we each get to choose whether or not we stay a victim. We don't get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to choose how we respond to our experience. Many of us stay in, in a prison of victimhood because subconsciously it feels safer. We ask why over and over, believing that if we could just figure out the reason, the pain would lessen. Why did I get cancer? Why did I lose my job? Why did my partner have an affair? We search for answers, for understanding, as if there's a logical reason to explain why things happened the way they did. But when we ask why, we're stuck searching for someone or something to blame, including ourselves. Why did this happen to me? She later goes on to say, We can't take away suffering. We can't change what happened. But we can choose to find the gift in our lives. We can even learn to cherish the wound. Life, even with its inevitable trauma, pain, grief, misery, and death, is a gift. A gift we sabotage when we imprison ourselves in our fears of punishment, failure, and abandonment, in our need for approval, in shame and blame, in superiority and inferiority, in our need for power and control. To celebrate the gift of life is to find the gift in everything that happens, even the parts that are difficult, that we're not sure we can survive. To celebrate life, period. To live with joy, love, and passion. And she ends the book like this. So I can turn all the lessons I learned in hell into a gift I offer to you now. The opportunity to decide what kind of life you want to have. To discover the untapped potential lying in the shadows. To reveal and reclaim who you really are. And she says, honey, may you also choose to give up the prison and do the work to be free. To find in your suffering your own life lessons. To choose which legacy the world inherits. To hand down the pain or to pass on the gift. Oh my gosh, so good. And her perspective, so amazing, both from her experience, her personal experience as a teenager and during the Holocaust, as well as her lifelong career of, you know, talking and helping clients with their, you know, struggles and their challenges and their trauma. What I would just say to you is, I hope we'll all do the work to be the gift for ourselves in our own life and then the people around us and the generations to come. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. And if you're looking to figure out what it is you can go after, what creative pursuit you can start, jump on over to my website at kristenfitch.com and go under resources. There is a no limits, create, scale, and monetize your creative passion printable PDF that I would love for you to grab and start taking uh, your dreams seriously and get. let's get going. You can start going after your dreams today. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.